Craft Beer Radio, episode 216, recorded sometime in June 2012. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, our 216th edition, which is ironically filmed, filmed. Recorded on the 26th. They just take the one out of there. So, so you're actually divulging the date. I am divulging the date. This won't be posted. 26th of June. Well, who knows when you'll post it? I mean, exactly. I may, I may jump why. on you and be like, edit that thing to get uh, it up tonight. So yeah, content, content, content. So uh, we are drinking outdoors style. We are in the great outdoors of Jeff's deck. But it's a beautiful night, so we figured this is probably the most beautiful night for the next two months. We're going to enjoy the heck out of it. That's why the sound might be a little bit different uh, than normal. But yeah, we'll try to stay it. on mic. We'll try not to pop, pop, pop our peas into the microphone. And uh, the fireworks have succeeded. Earlier there were some neighbors. <laughs> they seceded from the country. Yes. <laughs> July 4th is just not good enough. So, we are drinking first Carl Strauss's Wind and Sea Wheat. So, this is the first time they've ever bottled this beer. I guess this, the, the press release said this was a fairly, was a popular beer at the pub, and they never bottled it. And now they have new production capacity. They are bottling it so it reaches the far corners of California. So, they call it a true Bavarian Hefeweizen using 50% malted wheat. Malted, not unmalted. Now we found them lots of uh, wheat beers use unmalted wheat. This is malted wheat. Uh, Noble Tetnanger hops uh, won a 2010 gold medal at the LA County Fair and a silver medal at 2011, or I say, should say 2011, California State Fair commercial craft brew competition. It has a 5.1% alcohol by value with three SRMs. That means it is unusually light and uh, straw colored. It's hard to tell in this lighting. Well, yeah, but that's you know that's only what three points of the judging scale yeah. is the appearance, so we'll have to let that part slide tonight. Uh, Twelve IBUs, and uh, yeah, so smells the, banana. Yeah, the aroma on the thing, you get uh, get a banana, you get a big, creamy, bready, yeasty aroma. Also, it smells like a berry and hefeweizen, much like the uh, description promises. Here's like uh, here's thing I, th- I like that they have on their website. Uh, the last thing they say is save the citrus wedge for a beer in need. You'll thank us. Nice. That's marketing speak. I can get my, uh, I can wrap my hands around and hug. That was the most ridiculous <laughs> and horrible. Faltering. <laughs> yes. Faltering. That was terrible. All right. So the uh, flavor on this one, it's still a little cold, so I'm going to warm it up after this sip. It didn't have a big full body, had a good barley and wheat flavor, and it got a little banana. There's not too much clove right now, but I think once we warm this thing up, it's going to start opening up. Did and you really, make half this? I didn't put all the yeast in, but it has some. Okay. Yeah, it's cold. Actually, you know, you had the first part of the bottle, so here, let me give you a little bit. Shake it, shake it up. There you go. So, I tasted something very interesting at the end here. I'm going to try to taste it and see if I get it again so I can articulate it more. Because I think that they're doing something very interesting here by using the malted wheat. And I think it's producing a kind of caramel at the end. Yeah, I'm not sure. A little bit of a toffee. I'm not sure if malted wheat by itself would do that. Now, if you had some dark wheat or, you know, some some other, you know, caramelized grains, I could give you some of it. The the yeast on this one, it, it really gives you all banana and no clove, really. I mean, it's it's like you, when you have different Hefeweizens, there's a scale. There's a balance, you know. There's the needle somewhere on the scale between banana and clove, you know. And sometimes there's balance, you get a lot of both. Sometimes you get one a lot or one or the other. And this one is far to the one's banana side of the scale, in my opinion. I mean, I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing, but a person, you know, people have different personal preferences. I prefer a clovey one, but you know, I've had good banana ones, and this one's interesting. It's more on the fruity side, and I think that um, the the clove. The, the spiciness, the, the phenolicness from from the yeast mm-hmm. is 
is is is like you say pretty suppressed, but the bitterness of the hops is taking the place uh, of it's not a lot of bitterness to twelve IBUs, but I can taste that there, and I think that's taking some of the place mm-hmm. the, of the of the clove flavor, and it's it's getting in there in the right way. And and what's what's interesting about that is that f- from my perspective, what that does is it kind of peels away the part of the clove that lingers. So you get a bitterness with a little bit of a bitterness with your banana to keep it in check and not turn into this mushy banana flavor that just this is sort of this this cloying sweetness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it it finishes very smooth, and that those flavors kind of meld and then go away, and you're left with that toffee, and that's really distinctive and very mm-hmm. interesting, and I really do enjoy that. Uh, the more I taste it, I'm getting what you're talking about, where there's that kind of it's a candy-like thing. There's a sweet but not cloying, but there's a sweet, toasty finish to it, and it, it, it's nice. It's uh, not something you can you know, think of when you think Hefeweizen, but you know it, it doesn't taste wrong. It doesn't taste off style. It's just a neat character for this beer. And, and I think the reason why it's there is because those clove flavors are kind of suppressed. I think that those the spicy flavors would overwhelm this if they were there. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm, I'm really uh, enjoying it quite a lot. I'm trying to warm this beer up since we're outside and it's like 60 degrees, 65 <laughs> degrees. My hands are getting cold. That's not, not much warmer than the glass right now. That's, ooh, I just saw a meteor. Nice. Uh, maybe a firefly. <laughs> it's so hard to tell. <laughs> if it's not going in a straight line. And kind of <laughs> it looked like a straight line. It looked like it kind of streaked a little bit, but... Then I saw one that was very close to it that just mm. looked the same brightness, oh, okay. and it was clearly a firefly. So, yeah. gotcha. This is this is the the perils of being outdoors. Is there there were distractions? <laughs> oh, a little bird. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. I have I have this computer in front of me with the internet, and that's not nearly as much a distraction as ooh a firefly. <laughs> well, you are from the big city where you can't see the power fireflies. That's right. Well, I mean, I grew up in the suburbs. You see fireflies all the time. Don't see them much anymore. Yeah, I was going to say do that one next, but... Hmm. I am enjoying this a lot. It's good. Uh, I'm done with mine. I wanted to warm it up, but it was it was drinkable. It was just... Uh, it was tasty. Not the best Bavarian Hefei that I ever had, but it's, it's good. It's no, no problems so that I have really... No complaints. Uh, what is the best Bavarian Hefei? Best Bavarian Hef, when Penn is at the top of its game, it's definitely the best one I've had, you know, really? made in the United States. Um, okay. okay. Some of the German ones, like Schneiderweiss, um, probably Schneiderweiss is probably the best. Yeah. Franz's Connor's good, but. Very good. It's. It doesn't. I like their. Franzi's very good, but I think, you know, side by side, Schneider, I just think Schneider feels more. Oh, I don't know what the word is. It maybe just it maybe just more in my wheelhouse. Maybe it's what I like. And it just it's delicate. It's lots of clove, good balance on the banana. It just it's really a heavenly thing to drink. Uh, another good American made one when you know because Penn isn't always you know not like the one we had earlier tonight. It was good, but it wasn't amazing. Right. Um, there's not a ton. There's not of a ton of awesome American-made Hefeweizens. Flying Dogs is good, but not amazing. I haven't tried some of the ones that are, you know, standard like Pyramids for a while, in a while, and they may be better now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Pyramids. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There, there was a really good one that I had recently. I'm trying to think of what it was. Sam Adams makes a half. Mm-hmm. Of course, it makes, but they make everything right. Oh, I'm drawing a blank on the on the. I did have a good American-made one, but I can't think. If it comes up, I will mention it. So we have another beer. I think American wheats are more prominent and, and sometimes yeah. better. Sometimes <sighs> depends on your mood. Not for me. I mean, I, I can enjoy an American wheat, but never as much as a good Hefeweizen. I don't know. I would probably take a gumball head over any Hefeweizen. That's but that's really, a spectacular that, American wheat. Well, that's beer. not really an American wheat. That's a like that's like a wheat IPA. You know? Yeah. Well, it's an American-made wheat in beer, but <laughs> sure. that's American wheat's a specific style. Okay. All right. You know, think Oberon, think right, Widmer, okay. think 
Alright, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll probably go along with you there. So the next beer on our list, we have a couple beers from Cigar City Brewing. Uh, Cigar City is in, uh, I believe, Tampa. They have, um, this is their Tokabaga Red Ale. 7.2% alcohol by volume. That's pretty high for a red ale. 75 IBUs, also pretty high for a red ale. Uh, 12 SRMs, which gives it a pretty dark red kind of color. So they're I mean, they're a pretty hoppy brewery, so I wouldn't be surprised if this thing is a, a hop bomb. Uh, I've had some Cigar City when we've gone to festivals out of the area. You know, obviously, we can't get Cigar City here. This beer was shipped to us by our friend JD from Washington, D.C., uh, he's one of the guys that helped us with the Saver podcast. You can listen to him on the Extras feed in the Saver yeah, actually, yeah. uh, Hotel. The Savered Out show. And uh, he sent us this one and the next beer, next two beers we're going to have. And um, I've had some Scar City at the GABF and whatnot. And, you know, they, they like I think their their flagship IPA is Highlight, And it, it's a pretty hobby beer. So I've ha- I had that at Saver. Okay. Um, you know, I, I want to point out that we're drinking out of these Saver glasses and... These, I think, are going to be our go-to beer glasses. These ones are the Spielglau. We're going to be using those whenever yeah. they're clean because they're just they're, nice beer glasses. They're really nice glass. I mean, this is a, I, I put a picture on my Twitter feed of this mm-hmm. sort of evolution of, of the saving glasses, and these are the best of the bunch. You know, I, I have more beer glasses than I have space to keep in yeah. my cabinets. And I'm seriously considering getting some of the other Spielglau glasses. You know, they're like 20 bucks a pair. Uh-huh. But I think I do want to get some of the tall, fluted ones that they right, have. Like a, I, like, like a Hefe one. Yeah, like a... I, I think I want to. I just, I'm so happy with these Spielglau glasses. I mean, they're just very thin glass. And so you can really put the temperature into the beer when you want to. And, I mean, they have other things. We should, we should call them up and have them on the show sometime. It's going to be a lot of marketing speak, but we'll try to, we'll try to temper it down. We'll and, see. Okay, so uh, the Tocobaga lived on the Ooh. bounty of Tampa Bay hundreds of years before the arrival of the Spanish in the 1500s. They were potters, toolmakers, and the only Florida natives to grow maize. The large platform mounds they built are still with us today, and one of the largest found near Old Tampa Bay in Safety Harbor, Florida. There so the go. smell on this thing, it is hoppy, but there's a lot, there's a big... Big multi aroma in there. It's seven point two percent alcohol by volume. There's a lot of malt in this. Yeah, there's a but there's a big multi aroma, and if there was a style of beer that I just don't get, that you know Jeff Bear just does not get. It's and it's not the same as this, but it's an Irish red. You know, it's it. I just I've never had an Irish. I'm I'm, I'm with you on the Blondale. I don't get Blondales. Mm-hmm. I can kind of wrap my head around. Uh, Irish reds, I think. Yeah, just yeah, I've never had an Irish red that's been more than just uh, a filler, you know, a time passer. You know, it's nothing that's been interesting. It, you know, just I'm not sure if I'd even call them enjoyable. Um, now, this is not an Irish red. This is an American red, but it had, you know, it, I presume they share some heritage with the malts to get the red. I could be completely wrong. Uh, the whole reason I bring this up is that the nose on this one is intriguing. It, it has some of the mulch you think from a, a good American brown ale. You get some good crusty, you know, crusty bread. You get some good caramel. And then you get the hops. Lots of hop I'm getting. And you get some brown sugar in there. Very, very sweet bread. Like a, like a real... <laughs> like a sourdough crusted with sugar. <laughs> it's more like a cake, like a cake bread type thing. You know, like a. It is as I feared. Now, yeah, the flavor is a lot more bitter, hoppy than I got from the nose. Like all the sweet, luscious. Oh wow, that's harsh. All the sweet, luscious. Aromas that I was hoping that would really follow through the beer, it tastes completely different. It tastes, it's, it's a palate scraper. It's, I it's, tell you what, the aroma was pointing me towards thinking, and I was right. And the aroma was pointing me towards arrogant bastard. Oh yeah, okay. 
and the flavor and the bitterness is pretty similar, I think. It's probably a little more aggressive than Arrogant Bastard. Now, I'm trying to think, like, how long has it been since I've had a regular Arrogant Bastard? It's been quite a while. <laughs> Um, I, I, within, you know, within the past six months, I've had a um, oak-aged bastard. Right. Um, but I don't think I've had a plain arrogant bastard as recently. This uh, reminds me of my lingering memory of arrogant bastard, which I've had several times and has never gotten around to enjoying. Uh, I have remarked several times how. Stone sometimes throws me for a loop. Now I'll tell you a saber story uh, that you might not hear if you don't listen to any of the uh, podcasts. But I was um, I was at the saber uh, table and uh, talking to um, I want to say his name Steve the the brewer, but uh, and he was pouring Ruination Tenth Anniversary. This is. Uh, very special beer. There was a huge line for it, and I, I got in there. You know, we were there before everything got started, so I got to have a little taste before. And, and uh, this is the second night. And he said to me, "If this is not the best beer you've ever tasted, I don't want to talk to you again tonight." I didn't talk to him again that night. The um, and so is this vintage from their tenth anniversary? The beer. I mean, because their 10th anniversary was like five years ago. It's Ruination 10th anniversary. Oh, the 10th anniversary of Ruination. Right. Okay, because Stone's 10th anniversary was a hoppy yes. beer. Yeah. But I was going to say, it's probably not so hoppy if it was sitting in a no, cake no, no, no. all this, this time. Is their, okay. uh, this is what, what okay. they had on the table is their as-yet-to-be-named IPA, but it was their Ruination 10th anniversary. I see. Okay, uh, yeah, I was thrown for a loop. Frankly, I was not that impressed. And... It, it was better than this. I, I didn't even try it. Um, I don't even recall where the stone table was. I didn't come across it in my journeys. It was in the front by the oysters. It was over to the left-hand uh, side. Uh, I missed it. I, You know, those two tables at the very ends beside the oysters? I'm not sure I visited those ones. I think you see Miss Bells and you missed I stone. Didn't, yeah, I didn't see Bells. Yeah. It's hard. It's I mean, even when you go to both sessions, it's hard. I mean, unless you skip all the salons, it's, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, to get like, like I did during the second session, I just mm-hmm. skipped. I skipped two salons, two or three salons, and I, I was able to get get some good traction. Anyway, back to the beer, Tokabaga. It is a very arrogant bastard type beer, mm-hmm. and um, I you know I'm several sips in now, and it it's not as bracing as it was up front. I'm getting used to the palate. I'm getting a little desensitized to its aggressiveness, so now it's a little more drinkable. I'm starting to get into I, I, it. I think so. I think that the, the the concept of red ale threw us for a loop, right? Because you're, you're, you're thinking, okay, this is not going to be a, t- a real red ale, but there's going to be some... Well, I wasn't thinking Irish red, but I was thinking more like other American reds. Maybe, maybe be a this... darker amber, right? Yeah. I was expecting more of a malt character, because the malt character is really in the nose. But, but this, if, if, the if I were putting it for anything, it's an IPA. If I were putting it for, for judging... I think you nailed it, though. I think if, you know, the best we can describe this to the listeners is it's arrogant bastardish. Everyone can get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people know right off the top of their head what arrogant bastard tastes like. And really, I don't think we can do much more to get them closer to what this actually tastes like than saying that. It's it's difficult. It's, it's too bad because... That was one thing that kind of intrigued me about Iron Bastard was that the smell was always a lot more interesting to me than the flavor, and more because the smell had lots of interesting kind of divergences and interesting little characteristics, and the flavor was so overpowering in its bitterness and this strong caraminess that it just kind of and any of that subtly, any of the subtle bits were just completely washed out. You know, I think, you know, what this is going to force me to do is to get a bottle of fresh arrogant bastard. Get that thing drank. Just see what a fresh one tastes like. Because, like I said, it's, I'm not sure how long it's get been. Get that thing drank. Get it drank. <laughs> Drunked. Well, 
Whatever you think the you washed finished it. out. You finished it. I finished. Yeah, we didn't bring any rinse or uh, water or nothing. We're we're doing a straight. <laughs> we're doing this caveman. Straight style. no chaser. <laughs> All right, so uh, our next beer is also from Cigar City. Interesting, interestingly enough, they don't have this on their website, uh, probably because it was a brewed once. It's an American porter called Black Hole, Hole with a W. W-H-O-L-E, so the whole blackness is opposed to a black hole as an astronomical object. It's a, but, but it's a multidimensional whale. Yeah, no, so it's a double entendre. But, but I, I would take issue with that from a physics standpoint, and maybe we'll talk about something in the post-show, <laughs> but black holes, aside from being four-dimensional objects like everything else in the universe, are not necessarily multidimensional beyond the four dimensions of time and space. But that's for later. Now we'll talk about the beer itself. 8% American Porter with a roasty and uh, kind of clovey. I'm getting coffee. Does it say anything about being coffeed? There's nothing on the site. Okay, maybe that's just roasted barley. Maybe it's just the malt. Um, first sniff, it was very, I mean, like, almost like that's got to be a coffee porter, but now I'm smelling it. It's changing a little bit. It's tasting more like a, a really, really robust porter. Lots and lots of chocolate malt in there. Lots of roast, or not roast barley, but lots of chocolate malt. <laughs> Black Hole is a tribute to El Chupa Cobras, a mathy indie band from Montgomery, Alabama. I guess they do math rock. Math rock. Yeah. Math rock is, is from what I understand, and uh, people uh, may yell at me if I do this wrong, but it's like, um, it's doing music, rock music, but in interesting time signatures and things like okay. that. Okay. Lots of, uh, you know, like, time changes. Like seven like, over four and, okay. you know, like, things like that, as opposed to the standard four by four. Bum, 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 bum. I, I understand. Yeah. You know, I, not I was, everybody does. Not everybody uh, yeah. knows the music, you know. Oh, yeah, even how you explained it, it's not going to be enough. That will be a post-show thing. Like yeah. a seven over four. That would be kind of a seven over four. Yeah, I'm not even sure. Like, you know, even though, I, you know, I understand... Music, I, yeah, much or a seven over four. If that would be, yeah, yeah that's more. It's, it's weird. The, 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 when you learn music theory, there's a lot of really interesting stuff going it's on. Been, actually, it's been so long, I'm trying to, you know, four, four, three, four. I, I get those yeah. ones, I'm, but seven, four. So what's that? Seven beats, but a whole note's still four beats? Seven beats over four measures. Four measures. Over four measures. No, that's oh, it's been so long. <laughs> I don't want to try to remember. I'm gonna have to go read up on that one again. And I don't know where that's one they use, but I know that it's it's different mm-hmm. time signatures and and you know, so they're they're putting math into their well, know. sure, sure. I mean, I'm sure there's some um, you know Pythagorean you know beauty and symmetry, perfect square stuff in there. Probably. I mean, the the whole octave thing is a very interesting mathematical conception anyway. Yeah, but. That, that's getting really pushy. So let's go back to the black beer that's in Lots our glasses. Lots of licorice, right? Yeah, yeah. Very carbonated. Smoky. That's all I got from the first sip. I got an <laughs> explosion of carbonation and smoke. You're not kidding. I mean that really. This is now. I'm going to swirl the hell out of this beer because it, the level of carbonation, re- leads you to think the beer has an infection. You know, just because generally, like that Rivertown Lager that we had earlier, yeah. that beer was infected. I don't yeah. know if you picked up on that. Yes. And yes. it was carbonated like this. Yeah. Um, so the level of carbonation leads you to think the beer is infected. I'm not tasting anything too phenolic-y or band-aid-y, but 
it is so carbonated it's like oh there's probably an infection in here but let's work it out and see what we got here so swirl 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 I am not sure I I got a good one there too I gotta keep swirling this sucker I, uh, I gave it a good workout so let's see what that gets us I'll let the foam go down a little bit here always do the nose trick <laughs> no it won't take that long yeah super fine carbonation uh, I can't th- I can't imagine a brewer would intend the beer to be carbonated that highly I wonder if here's an interesting question for you mm-hmm. what if we got if, if you know we got a beer that was this carbonated what if we got a bunch of like wooden chopsticks and just sort of stuck them in there just for a minute. Nucleation points? Yeah. Uh, probably would, do something. I mean, reduce... I, think, I think the swirling works, too. I, I mean, mean, that's the reason why you, you may notice this, but if you drink, like, a soda and you pop some ice cubes in it, it tastes less carbonated pretty quickly. And the mm-hmm. reason why is because the ice is all a huge amount of nucleation sites. And... I usually throw Mentos in my soda <laughs> that, you know, chill it down. But the ice just, you know, releases <laughs> so much of the carbonation. So by putting the chopstick in there, they have a lot of the nucleation sites, but they wouldn't affect the flavor of the beer any. Not much. It could work. I think swirling's effective enough. And it, it looks very uh, beer or wine-like, you know, swirling your snifter. And since these are snifters, let's, uh, let's yeah, but swirl. Who cares about how it looks? What we care about is how, how effective it is. I think swirling with all that agitation would be more effective than singing chopsticks. I totally disagree with you because while swirling effectively does... You know, I cause, think we got a crafty radio experiment coming up here. I think so. But I, I do think that while swirling effectively causes I think that if you add nucleation, that that is a much more effective and much quicker way. So here's what I propose. Okay. I'm going to make some really carbonated soda water. And we'll do try to do an experiment where we swirl versus... See, but soda water is more like soda, not like beer. Right. So... We're actually going to have to. Well, you make... can make beer and you can carbonate it to whatever. Yeah, I mean, want. I can make over carbonated beer, but it's still it's going to be very hard to get this level of carbonation in a keg. Then, so I'd actually have to bottle it and prime it and hope the bottle doesn't explode. Um, so it gets a little tricky there. It gets a little tricky because I don't think I could keg it. Well, the question is not whether this is not that this specific level of carbonation. It's kind of an important variable though, because it might not be linear. Well, as is temperature. Temperature is an important variable too, as to how much, mm-hmm. how soluble the sure. the carbon dioxide sure. is in in the liquid. Well, that, that that's mostly getting it in. It doesn't come out as soon as it warms. You know, it doesn't come out at the same rate that it you know as it goes in. It's not really equal. Okay. Like as your beer warms, you don't see it foaming up at this. You know, right, you don't right, see huge right. amounts of carbonation coming out as it warms. So kind of. To get it in. In to, fact, I believe that uh, to get a that warmer, uh, like a, a warm bottle of Coke will retain its carbonation more if it's you know if you open it and then you close it, the warm bottle left on on the on the counter that you then cool will lose its carbonation less fast than if you were cool it. That might it have to do with headspace. That might have to do with head pressure. Well, it, it, some of that has to do with headspace, but I was reading about that and I believe that the case was, and I may be wrong about this, but. That be in the cooler temperatures, it allows the carbon dioxide to escape easier. I think it's probably head pressure, right? Because when you put the bottle, half full bottle of Coke in your fridge, the headspace is going to shrink. Well, this would be another thing, but, I don't, but that's not really a beer experiment. But you know, the the air is going to shrink and pull more CO2, yes. let more CO2 come out. Yes. Where if it's sitting at room temperature, it's going to have more head pressure. And so that that's how I would reconcile that one without okay. Okay. being well, a real sense. scientist. Um. Yeah, so I think it's going to be a harder experiment to do because I it's going to be difficult to get a kegged beer as carbonated as this one, and we could like overprime a bottle of beer. And we, well, we could try it with carbonated water, mm-hmm. which we can get to a pretty higher carbonated state, and we could try it with beer. As a you know, um, it's going to be hard to know which beers in bottles are overcarbonated before we open them. Then how would we test the carbonation level? It would have to be a percept. It would have to be a subjective thing from on our tongues. It's really. It sucks, but we don't have a lab. We can't yeah. judge, um, you know, atmospheres of CO two dissolved in a, li- a solution. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
But then what we'd have to do is have to have it be done blind. We would have to have it be handed to us blind in order for it to work correctly. Yeah, that might need to be... I mean, I'll have to think about it. I'm not sure if there needs to be a blind thing. Obviously, double blind is always best. But really, I think we're just looking to... Yeah, I, I guess double blind is important. But, I mean, I don't think... I think we could be subjective enough to judge swirling versus chopsticks. Because, I mean, you're saying it's as effective, right? So we just... We put chopsticks in... I'm saying it's likely more effective than... Okay, so... Okay, so... A valid test would be to put the chopsticks in a glass of beer for... 10, 15 seconds. And swirl... Same... Another glass of beer... At a moderate vigorousy... For the same time. And then... Go on our perception on which one has lost the most carbonation. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's a fun experiment because we're on opposite sides. Or my hypothesis would be that the swirling would work better. Yours is that the nucleation points of the chopsticks would work better. It would be an interesting experiment to do. A CBR Labs number two. Back to the beer, which has lost some of its carbonation over time. It's still too carbonated. And it's getting a little oxidized yeah this beer is this beer's old it's i think i think that's the problem here i think first of all this is a <laughs> what this, are the hops this is a uh, no you didn't you wanted the fence <laughs> the house <laughs> i hit a lot more of the house than i expected <laughs> this is a uh, it's 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 a brewed once beer it's not on their website it's probably pretty old unfortunate cuz i bet it was pretty good when it was uh, around but what are you going to do? And I think it's it's definitely valuable, you know, as people gain experience. You know, as soon as you taste the beer with that very fine, high carbonation, like, boom, explodes in your mouth, you know, you should consider right away that it's maybe old, it may be spoiled, and yeah. uh, it can help you really get your get your bear, your expectations to know, hey, this isn't the beer that the brewer intended. Okay, so here's a DC brew. This is a beer that I had for the... I don't know if I had that for the first time, but... Here, why don't you use that to swirl your glass and rinse? The first time I can remember having it, at the very least, uh, was at uh, the very first uh, meal that we had down this uh, this time at Saver. Yeah, yeah, Brasserie Beck, we Mm -hmm. went... That's kind of been a tradition the last two years as we get to D.C. The hotel is on, like, 9th and K. Yep. And Brasserie Beck is on... Like 7th or K and something. Yeah, K and, like, 7th. Yeah, so it's real close. Good. I wouldn't say it's, like, the best beer bar in the city, but, I mean, they they really focus on the Belgians. Yeah, they they have a, a good selection of beer, and it's great French food. Yeah. Yeah, like... Uh, last year, you had an appetizer with breadfruits. What? What'd you say? Uh, breadfruits? Well, sweetbreads. No. Sweetbreads. <laughs> breadfruits. Sweet. Yeah, you know, same shit. Sweetbreads. Entirely different thing. What's breadfruit? Anything? Uh, I think that there's actually a, a, a fruit called breadfruit, which is kind of a, uh, a, okay. a spongy oh, okay. sort of fruit. Sweetbreads. Yes. I remember it was like a fried appetizer. Sweetbreads are the thalamus gland of sheep. Okay. And uh, I don't. I remember tasting that, and like, cause because it was like you don't get sweetbreads every day, and we talked about this already. So let's not get into it too much. But Raspberry Beck has some interesting things, good things. Yeah. And uh, I don't think we have a problem going back there with our our Friday lunch every year. <laughs> I'm going to have. I am going to have that tartar again. Come hell or high water. That was good steak tartar. Wow. So steak tartare is, is um, chopped raw steak. Um, it's very pickly. So it's mixed with capers. There's capers and a little bit of like green onion in there. And because and olive oil, salt and pepper, put a quail egg on top. And because it's all basically this mush, you serve it with toast tips to give it a little crunch. So you get the crunch and the wonderful mix of flavor. Oh, it's, just, it's unbelievable. It's It's good stuff, yeah. 
Yeah, I think I'll have to get it next time too. I mean, we'll just double that up because you know what did I have? I had oysters or something, and they were good, but not yeah. not tartar good. No. Um, you're talking you're talking fresh hops with this in comparison to the other stuff, and sort of reminds me of your hop vines that I can see right now. So here's a smell. Now it smells like a good IPA. I don't want to be. You know, this isn't mean to be like a flaw hunting exercise. It's more of an interesting aroma hunting exercise. Take a huge sniff. And then I'm going to put something in your brain. Tar. Road tar. Nope. No, not at all? Nope. I got something in the hops. It was kind of like that sweet petroleum road tar type thing. But like not in a bad way, just just as just as a thing. Let me let me say this though. My experience I still with smell road it. tar. I still smell it. My experience with fresh road tar is almost entirely in Maryland, where they use a completely different formulation okay. for their roads. I mean, the asphalt's different. Everything's different. So the tar is completely different, almost certainly. So, I mean, what's it's funny because you know I drive into West Virginia every day and the roads immediately change when you go into West Virginia. Mm-hmm. It's much better roads. Uh, but, um, so it, it could be that it's just you're used to a smell because you you know grew up around here, you grew mm-hmm. up with that smell. And the smell that I'm used to for tar okay. is, is more sulfury. Okay. And more... Uh, um, no, it's uh, I won't think it's a sweet smell. Maybe it's like the Pennsylvania crude. I, don't, I have no idea. But there's a sweet petroleum tr- petroleum type smell coming off these hops, and it's just it's fascinating, actually. It's like huffing gas, man. <laughs> Let's do that next. Okay, so uh, American Pale is the style they say. The color they say they don't have an SRMs, but they have crimson copper. And yeah, I guess it, again we're outside. The light's not good. It's hard to tell. Six percent alcohol by volumes served in a can. Yep, twelve ounce can, DC brow cans. They are the. We, uh, I interviewed them. There's a show I need to put together. That's the last saver thing. Uh, there's going to be a CVR investigative extra. Can you need that bit from my iPhone so you can get the... Yeah, you'll yeah, get that. I think you sent it to me, didn't you? No. Oh, okay. You just let me listen to a piece of it. That's what it was. Anyway, we're going to put together a show, and that'll be the next thing. Maybe we'll do that before we do the next show. We'll, we'll put that together. Um, but I talked to small, medium, large breweries and was asking them about... Uh, the different challenges that they face, and I wanted the I wanted to compare and contrast, see if compare and contrast. Uh, you know, if small breweries had different challenges from big breweries, or you small know, if there was a lot of a lot of similarities, similarities, similarities. I'm just trying to accentuate. Right, it, right. You know. And uh, I I don't want to spoil it, but you know, it, it's kind of interesting, but kind of not surprised the the results that we got. So. There's the tease. Yeah. There's the tease. You're going to have to listen to that show, too. Um, most of them, I'll, I'll say this, most of them are just worried about bull weevils. And it's weird. Bull weevils. <laughs> <laughs> bull weevils getting in their cotton gins. Yeah. Damn things. <laughs> On the way down to Saver, Greg and I were brainstorming about, we really like this idea of, mm-hmm. of getting, instead of just the normal interviews, which we've done over and over right. again, and they can be fascinating if we get to the brewery and they have a good story. Like, you know, even this time, even with this segment, there are certain people I interviewed, like uh, Caleb from um, some brewery. Uh, the one in uh, Indiana. Uh, Shorts? No, no, no. The the one that that sour beer thing that you sat in on. Uh, sour beers from Indiana. Um they do a wheat, a wheat beer as their flagship. Why, why can't oh, I think of the name of the brewery right God. now? Caleb. Everyone's screaming at the radio from Indiana. It's a... Uh, it's, uh, Sour beers from Indiana. The, the salon you sat in on? Yeah, I know. Their flagship's a wheat beer? Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> shit. <laughs> that brewery. Anyway, uh, he, he's a cool guy. He's not in... <laughs> 
not a radio interviewee. <laughs> you know, it, it was uh, he wasn't very uh, he didn't expand on his answers. You know, it's like you know, you know, it definitely stands out. Like when you're watching a baseball game, right? And they interview a player. Upland. Upland, Uplandbury. You know, they interview a sports figure, right? And he doesn't feel like uh, what was it, Bulldor? Um, I mean, I, I screw this whole story because I can't think of anything. But you know, he was just very concise and short, and it, it it really there was no story behind the Upland challenges. Uh, we'll, we'll probably still fit it in, but it wasn't one of the more compelling ones. So. Um, but that's how I was starting to feel about these regular interviews, right? It was a lot of the same, very predictable. Yeah. Until we found someone who had a story to tell. Well, so, we started to think when we were going down, we were thinking like all these ideas, like what? what? Yeah, I mean, my my thing was, and my question, which we never really got to ask, but I think it was a a, a good question. But unfortunately, we just the time was was just not conducive to it was where does IPA go next because oh yeah yeah because IPA is is I mean it's been oak aged it's been soured it's been I think we could still I think we could still do that one um yeah on the way down we brainstormed three or four ideas of these individual shows that we were going to put together in post-production and put out and oh my god you would not believe how little time I had to interview people uh, I, wanted I believe because I was texting like you got to get up there and record it. We actually missed. Uh... Yeah, yeah. I wanted to do. I wanted to definitely do the challenges in the IPA, and I only got the challenges. I probably only got seven or eight interviews. And you're like, dude, you were at Saver for um, almost eight hours. How'd you only get seven interviews? I don't know, but I was working my ass off. Yeah. I got as many interviews as I could get. It just, it's just in that environment, it's hard. And, and that's why I'm saying that next saver, do what I did and do not. But I enjoyed yourself. the salons. I, I enjoy the salons too. I love the salons. They're great. But if you want to get the experience of saver, the experience of saver is not the salons. I mean, the experience of saver is one salon. That's what most for, people get. For for a normal attendee, yes. You should only go to one salon because you're only going to one session, and that's a one third of the saver. Yeah, um, I agree completely. Um, you know, we have the advantage of, well, advantage and curse of going to as many salons as we want. Uh, so we're quite jaded. Um, there were some boring salons this year, uh, but I've been to twenty salons, <laughs> so you know it's it's um, you know, kind of used to it. Uh, but, you know, there's some really interesting ones. And even some of the, you know, certainly there's the big name ones. Like, you know, uh, Surly was there and they poured Darkness. You know, that was one of the marquee salons because Darkness is right up there with Dark Lord in, in cult status. Um, it's pretty good. I was there. The um, You may hear me, I think, asking a question or two on that one. I was in the Surly one, fool. Really? Yes. You weren't in the early one. What oh. ones am I thinking of? I don't know. But you weren't in the early I think they're short. Something short. Shorts. Yeah. So anyway, the the early one, like I said, uh, you know, it's a mixed bag. The conversation with uh, Omar, the owner, and Todd, the brewer, fantastic. One of the best salons. Darkness, good imperial I, imperial stout. Not the best one I had at Saver, you know. Huh. And and Darkness is this cult beer because it's so limited. So I think it, it goes to show that, you know. Not all the cult beers are worth the hype, but you know, no one who went to the Surly one was disappointed. I think the best thing at the Surly thing was not the beers, but it was talking to Omar and Todd because they were very good, and and that salon was there was no artificial um, topic. It was talking about Surly and the you know opening Surly and getting investment and things like that. And, and you know, it was just really, really good story. The whole thing was a good story. And you can listen to the whole thing on craftbeerradio.com. Yeah. But we have a beer that Jeff has neglected that I've been tasting hush, and hush enjoying. You. Hush you. DC Brow. Uh, which one is this? This is the... Pale Ale. Yes, but the name is The Public. The Public. Public Pale. They have, if you want to know why it's called The Public, it's because... They have the public, and they have the corruption, which is their IPA, and 
The Citizen, which is their Belgian-style pale ale. And they also bottle... Oh, they do a, they do a, uh, a bottle with Epic Brewing in Utah. Okay. The uh, Fermentation Without Representation. Imperial Pumpkin Porter. Nice. Uh, I yeah, want one. You know, actually, <laughs> right I, just, <laughs> now. <laughs> I just realized that whole saver thing was a huge rat hole because the whole point was um, I talked to Jeff at DC Brow about challenges, and he was one of the small breweries. They've been open less than a year, and they're just a production brewery in Washington, D.C., making cans of beer. Pretty good stuff, too. I like it a lot. It's a... Uh, it's very, it's very wet hoppy. You know, it has that um, really distinct kind of yeah. There's uh, a just a big hop flavor. I'm not sure if I would say it really tastes like a harvest beer. You know, wet hop slash harvest. But I can see where you're going coming from. I don't think I would have called that out myself. But big hop flavor on this guy. And you know, this is their pale well, big and, and and fresh. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's where it's coming from. Juicy. It is, is, yeah, really there's, juicy. There's real. a certain like like I said that that whole petroleum tar thing up front. It was an element of the hop. Um, you know, so it was a pretty aggressive, unusual hop. You know, now I don't taste that so much, but it's, it's still cascade. aggressive. I mean, I don't know. Really? Why. Yeah, this is just Cascade hops. I don't know why you're mutant, going crazy. Mutant Cascade. It's not the Cascades I grow. It's not the Cascades that they use in like 90%. I'm pretty sure I talked to this guy and he said it was Cascade hops. No. It doesn't taste like your average Cascade, and that's the important thing for the listeners because everyone's thinking what Cascade tastes like straight up, and that's not what I'm getting. Uh, Assertive bitterness backed by C60 and Vienna malts. It's it's, it's good. Um, it's a hell of a hell of a beer. Yeah, I enjoy it. And that whole, you know, if you still have a canned stigma, conscious, Why? subconscious, or otherwise, you need to get over it. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, especially now, because cans are, are everywhere now. But yeah, it's, hopefully it's not, not too... A, it's not an uncommon thing to see craft beer in cans. I think, you know, the people that are kind of beer, you know, I shouldn't say kind of beer geeks. The kind of people that drink craft beer on occasion might still have a canned stigma. But, you know, the the real heart of our podcast, hopefully they're all past the canned stigma because... Uh, I would think so because it's the 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 quality of, of canned beers is almost always, almost always going to be better than the quality of uh, equally treated bottled beer. Mm-hmm. And don't feel bad if you are had a canned stigma or if you're getting over it. I had one. Uh, remember when we were looking for Dale's Pale Ale the first yeah. time? Uh-huh. We heard Dale's Pale Ale come into the market. And, uh, oh, I really want to try that canned craft beer. Never had such a thing. We were down at the really big bottle shop down in Regent Square, Pittsburgh here, at Greg and I. And I'm looking through the shelves, and there's a thousand beers to look at. And we're just looking and looking and looking. I didn't see it. Greg saw it. You know, I had these blinders on. Whenever my eyes saw aluminum, it just jumped onto the next thing, and I had missed it. I wouldn't have bought Dale's Pale Ale that day if Greg didn't see it. I think I said, like, isn't this -hmm. this something that we wanted to try? So, yeah. Um, Dale's Pale Ale is a a good beer, but far from the best canned beer that you can have now. And... uh, and I mean, even from from uh, next day, why, why am I blanking on Dale's Pale Ale? <laughs> What's that? Oscar Blues. Oscar Blues. Even from Oscar Blues alone, I mean, <laughs> they make some incredible stuff that I think you know surpasses a Dale's Pale Ale in that is canned. Oh, it's it's tough for me. I mean, there's only actually there's only one beer from Oscar Blues. I think a Ten Fifty. Yeah, I was gonna say Ten Fifty. But it's like there are other beers, Gordon, and Mama's Your Little Yellow Pills. Not as good as Dale's Pale Ale. But Ten Fifty is. Amazing. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely bends your head, even for people without a can stigma. An imperial stout of that quality, yeah. in a can, it really hurts your head a little bit. So, are you ready to rank, or do you want to get? Another I beer? think I want another beer. All right, let's do it. Cause yeah, cause one of them we're gonna have to exclude, right? It was exclude. infected. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm really uh, up in the air for which of the three that are left. I want to try something in the Porter range, so I say we go with a duck rabbit. Okay. 
duck rabbit Baltic Porter. It's uh, it's a duck rabbit with a little Norwegian's tussle cap on. Now again, this is my problem with duck rabbit brewing. Now you name beers, you name your brewery after you know whatever crazy thing you want to name after. I mean, they've they've named breweries after weirder things. Green Flash, for example, is a weird atmospheric phenomenon that happens occasionally, but they make. Um, West Coast Pale Ale. Well, it makes sense because yeah, it only ha- you got to have you know clear horizon to where the sun sets and right. where else but the West Coast San Diego would you have such a thing? But so Duck Rabbit, but I mean the people name it, but so Duck Rabbit is named after a very famous illusion, mm-hmm. which is a uh, an image uh, that can be either interpreted as a duck or a rabbit, and it kind of switches in between. Yeah, and you can see both. The yeah. the beak of the duck is the ears of the rabbit. Right. And uh, the eye is the eye of both, but it, it's the silhouette. So there's just an but eye and a silhouette. Whenever they put a hat on it, they decide which one it is. It's a duck. And this one is is definitely a duck. Anything they put the hat on is a duck. Yeah. Uh, and so... Well, it is duck rabbit, not rabbit duck. So. <laughs> I guess that's an interesting point. Uh, it's duck rabbit with a with a hyphen in it. Um, in the, yeah, their, their Baltic border. I think so. we've talked about the hat, just yeah. telling you which way the illusion goes. So that's, yeah. that's the rehash. But, but the, the point is that that the illusion goes both ways. But then they're they're taking that illusion away by putting oh, a hat. Yes, on we've it. talked about that. That's old. But that's I, like I, I'm, I'm bugged by it. It bugs me. Okay, Baltic Porter. So Baltic Porter comes from like the Scandinavian areas, and it's similar to a Russian imperial stout. But where it's different is the it's it's typically flavor-wise a lot more raisiny, a little more boozy. Um, it's yeah, it smells good. It smells good. I just had like this content tongue out. Nah, this is awesome kind of. Uh, uh, <laughs> you did have your tongue out. Baltic Porter, I believe. Try to check this. Fact check me here, Greg. Yep. I think that traditionally it's like a lagered. If it's not a lagered yeast, it's definitely a cold stored ale. So it has a lagering uh, characteristic to it. I am looking to see. So the I'm ar- looking the BGCP guide. Right. The aroma on this one. I'll talk about the aroma while Greg's trying to fact check me. The the aroma you get a, uh, the raisins, the prunes. You get a lot of dark fruit in there. You get a little roast, but it's like a distilled roast. It's more like the espresso of of roasted barley. So you get a certain essence that's concentrated, and and that is like the 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 dark fruits, the cherries, the prunes, the plums, the things like that. I'm not seeing anything on nothing about lagering, huh? Nothing on lagering. Uh, although I do see clean lager character. There you go. Well, flavor. that's enough. That's enough for me. <laughs> well, I mean, I typically like to draw a disten- distinction between Baltic porter and Imperial porter. Oh, wait, okay. Generally, lager yeast, cold fermented if using LU. So, yeah. Ta-da! There you go. Yeah, so uh, an Imperial Porter is a fine beer on its own right, but, you know, I, I imagine that as an American invention of a Porter gone towards Imperial Stout. More malt, same yeast, you know, big, rich, boozy flavors, where a Baltic Porter is lagered. And it, it kind of has this more fruity, more whiny, less roasty character to but it. But extreme smoothness as opposed Pretty to smooth. kind of a, a yeah. I don't know if rocky is the right way to put it, but a, 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 yeah. a I mean, imagine, complex. Imagine the, the grain that you, the, when I say grain, imagine film grain, you know, like the, the, the texture of a ale, the texture of uh, a roasted porter but amplified to imperial status versus a Baltic porter, which would be more polished. Right. That grain, yeah. that grain that would be in the the media, is more smoothed out. I like I like polish because it's, it's kind of a, a synthesia sort of 
concept is is to think of a polished flavor uh that you mm. know because polish is a visual thing but you can you can imagine a flavor being either sort of rocky you know and and um uh, texture it, i think grainy i think grainy is a great term to use yeah however since beer uses grains as yeah. an ingredient it's homonym and it, it is confusing. It's, it's harder to, to yeah. To, but I mean, yeah. grain is in texture. Grain is in like film grain, or the the roughness of of the media. I'm with you. I'm with you. You're with me. Yes. Is anyone else with me? That's up to other people. There is um. A lot of plum. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, plummy to pruny kind of stuff. More pruny than raisiny. And if you're a prune aficionado, like I am, it's the drier prunes. You know, when I'm eating prunes, I prefer the the moist, juicy, sweet prunes. Mm -hmm. But there's the drier ones where you taste a lot, where the skin's harder and you taste a lot more skin. And it's a little kind of almost dusty. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure if I say the, dusty. The fl- this beer is not dusty, but yeah. the the non-sweet prunes can be mm-hmm. kind of dusty. Yeah, but this is definitely, you know, if you know what I'm talking about, and either you do or you don't, but if you know what I'm talking about, this is like those drier prunes that aren't as good as the sweet, juicy, sticky prunes. <laughs> well, I am... Still pretty pleased with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, just saying that its prune character is not like my favorite character from real prunes. That's hardly saying I'm disappointed with the beer. It's just describing how I like prunes and which kind of prune this tastes like. That is an excellent point, <laughs> and I have no objection to you bringing that up. All right. So, uh, do you anything else to say about this week's one? Uh, no, nothing Nothing in addition. So let's rank. Let's get out of here. All right. The, uh, what's the booze on this one? Seven, eight? I'm feeling it. This definitely, I hit. I, I jumped off the cliff just now. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, it's not on their site. Maybe 9%. Let's say 9%. They're in Farmville, North Carolina. My uh, internal chemistry. 9%, yes. There we go. I nailed it. Uh, that tastes like a nine percenter. <laughs> the uh, oats are added to the grist to get a subtle round silky. Okay, so that that silky slash steeliness, I could see how that would help augment that polished Baltic porter lagery flavor, right. right? I can definitely see how those complement each other and help accentuate that that character. Uh, ranking. We're missing a bottle of beer, aren't we? Where the... we st- yeah, know? it's the one without a cap. No. Oh, yeah, okay. I thought that was the, the one from earlier. Okay, so we got uh, five beers, but the porter from Scar City was broken. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is their Duck Rabbit porter, not their Baltic porter. You son of a bitch. Well, I mean, the, the beer is about to border, but I'm looking at the website. For right. It, the, the so, border. but you said 9%. Oh, you read that off the bottle. Yeah. Okay, so you don't know about the oats. I don't. The oats could be incorrect. Right. I'm not erasing that, so we're just going to deal with it. Um, dun, well, we dun, corrected. Dun. Tough show to rank, because they were really good. So we got the... Number one beer for me is going to have to be the DC Brow, the public. Um, even though it had this petroleum tar thing, which, you know, it sounds like an insult. Um, it's not. It's just an observation. It was a fascinating use of presumably Cascade hops. Um, heck of an IPA. Or it was, they don't even call it an IPA. But it's, it, it, it's bordering on IPA. I don't know. I think their IPA is worse. 
worse. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I think. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm not sure you meant well, to yeah, use worse. I mean, because I, I think that the pale ale is better, so that would make the the IPA okay. worse. Just, I think the citizen. I think the citizen was yeah. their, was their IPA. Um, no, their IPA was the corruption. Corruption. That's it. Okay. Plenty hoppy. Uh, good stuff going on there. Fascinating nuances that remind you of Pennsylvania road tar, not Maryland road tar. <laughs> not Maryland road tar. It's important to point that out. Number two, we're getting into a tight race. I'm going to put the Duck Rabbit Baltic Porter. Um, pretty good for that style. It definitely definitely had that Baltic character that yes, yes. clean polished lots of dark fruit not much roast character very well done for Baltic Porter um, it's right up there I, I can't think of one you know anything that stands out way above how good that tasted tonight uh, number three so we're down to the arrogant bastard clone from Cigar City or the Wincy wheat from Carl Strauss very close. I think I'm going to put the Cigar City third. Um, it was pretty bracing the first couple sips, but I got used to it. And it was a good American hoppy red arrogant bastard type beer. Uh, the Wincy Wind. I'm sorry, it's not Wincy. It's uh, Windensy wheat from Carl Strauss. Uh, it's good. Uh, American, or I'm sorry, Bavarian Hefeweizen. I personally prefer ones that are more peppery, more clovey. And that one was all the way over to banana. And while I can appreciate those, they're just not my wheelhouse. No, you're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> I'm allowed to be. Get on mic a little bit more there. <laughs> we said that last time, so let's, let's not reuse that joke again. Right. Um, so I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to change uh, your, your order a bit for, for me. The number one, I think we both agree on DC Brow. I think it will, for both of us was was the best beer of the night. I uh, I enjoyed it immensely. I love that, um, if not wet hop, then very fresh, oh, juicy sure. yeah. hop. Uh, and it was it was just it, it was kind of the the brightest beer of the night, the one that really kind of sticks out most in my mind. It was an excellent use of hops for sure. Absolutely. I mean, if you can get it and you want, I mean, it it's not your your average schmo throwing hops in a kettle. There was some design to using those hops. Yeah. There was something special there. Absolutely, it was, uh, it was bright and beautiful, and, 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 I, and I like that a lot. Uh, so number two, though, I have to say that the uh, the wheat beer, the the, the Carl Strauss, the Wind uh, I um, I loved how it ended on that toffee note, and uh, I, I you know I. I agree with you that you know the clovey notes are, are are nice. They're not to me as important as a banana. I, I find the fruit notes better than more estery notes better in, in, in a weed beer anyway. But I love the way that it kind of played it with substituting the to me at least is in my palate. It substituted the hops for the for the for that clovey uh, um, for that clovey peppery note and and and. In the, in doing that, got out of the way quick enough so that toffee could get in. Do you really do you have a recollection of Brooklyn Vice? No, I'm afraid I don't. Okay, I, I was was curious. The reason I was asking because to me that's another very banana, and I just wondered if you had a recollection of what it tasted like, um, how you compared the two. But uh, you know they're both wheat beers that I enjoy, but if I you know. I'm I'm a phenolic guy. I like the clove. All so right. you like the phenols. I like the esters. Uh, three, the duck rabbit, which is the duck, <laughs> the duck, Baltic porter. <laughs> I mean, yeah. What's the point of pretending there's an illusion there? Well, if you look at the neck label, there's no hat, so it looks yes. ra- it looks like a rabbit right. on the neck label and right. a duck on the body label, so. And uh, the number four would be the the Tokabaga because I am I have expressed several times on the show more times. Greg than I can hates count, arrogant bastard. I dislike arrogant bastard. I wouldn't say I hate it. Sounds good to me. There you go, outdoor show. Outdoor show. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a lot of booze. Uh, I'm good. 
Yeah. Let's go to the post show. Post show it is. Thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. The opening and closing music is Last Hurrah from the band The Lights Out. You can listen to more of their music at their website, thelightsout.com. Some people get a longer fuse. Some people's shoulders are big enough.